In this episode of the Mind's Eye Podcast, join host, Paul James Caden, and, special guest, Clint Haycock, as they continue to discuss evangelicalism, divine truth, or man-made religion? Are you ready to open the eyes of your mind? Greetings one and all, and welcome to the Mind's Eye Podcast. I'm Paul James Caden, and joining me once again on the show is Mr. Clint Haycock of the Mind Shift Podcast. And we are going to continue our discussion on evangelicalism, divine truth, or man-made religion. And we're going to delve a little bit deeper in today's show into the subject of dominion theology and talk a little bit about uh, what this has to do with what we've seen recently in the United States with the 2020 elections, with what many call the Trump prophecies. Why are so many evangelicals gathering around President Donald Trump? Why are they making these uh, offbeat uh, prophecies about him? Many in the evangelical community tout Donald Trump is almost this savior figure who's going to save the nation, make America great again, uh, bring God, you know, back into our country and make us a Christian nation. Is this just a religious notion or is there something else behind this movement that most people are unaware of? So Clint, you've done uh, several shows, I believe, on the Mind Shift podcast about Dominion Theology uh, delve into this for us and uh, tell us what what is Dominion theology once again, and what does all this have to do with what we're seeing with the evangelical community around Donald Trump? Well, there's so much to talk about. Uh, how much time do we have? Actually, yeah, I've done two episodes on this, and I've actually got a third one coming out on uh, Sunday, the 22nd of November. So if people want to listen to those, they can look me up and look up those episodes. But I got on this pretty quickly right away because I've been researching these guys for about a year now, the sort of charismatic side of the what we call Seven Mountains Mandate Dominion Theology. The guys like Kenneth Copeland, George Pearsons, Paula White Kane, who's, of course, Trump's spiritual advisor. These are some of the names that people might know that are more famous, you know, sort of charismatic, prophetic types. And so almost to a person, all these people, there's loads of them, they predicted weeks and months and even years ago that Trump was going to win this election, and some said by a landslide even. And they were absolutely confident. Of course, they've been pro-Trump cheerleaders the whole time that he's been president. And these are the ones that have talked about Donald Trump is sort of a Cyrus figure. He's like a King David you know, he was prophesied to win in 2016. These guys have made a good living for the last four years going all over the country, telling anyone who will listen to them that they foresaw Trump winning in 2016 and again in 2020. So they've set themselves up in this very, you know, kind of interesting position because now that it looks like he's definitely lost and Biden has won the election, now they're all scrambling to justify, to explain away the fact that their prophecies are utterly 100% wrong. And they claim to speak for God, who in their view is omniscient, omnipresent. He knows the future. 
They're the mouthpieces for God. So they, they've they all completely gotten it wrong. And according to the Bible, a false prophet should be stoned, should be put to death. So that's the Old Testament law anyway. So the Bible doesn't have a, has a very dim view of false prophets. So these guys are all scrambling and flailing to try and explain it all the way uh, and to you know sort of dampen the sense of cognitive dissonance that I think they must be feeling because they're going, whoa, am I a false prophet? Well, how do I justify all this? So it's really fascinating to watch this whole thing play out. It is a lot of big names out there that mm-hmm. uh, have made these predictions. Oh yeah, and uh, you know it's it's one of those things that that I tell people uh, again, uh, whatever your spiritual path may be, you know, be a little discerning about this. You know, don't be so led by the nose. You know, mm. before Donald Trump was was even elected, and uh, I forget the guy's name who wrote the book, The Trump Prophecies, and they made a movie out of it. I believe he was a yeah, fireman. Yeah, Mark Taylor, I think his name is. Yeah, yeah. They made it. Yeah, Liberty University. Jerry Falwell's well, former president Jerry Falwell uh, Jr. His university made the movie, The Trump Prophecies, and there's another guy, Dr. Lance Wall, now who's gone gone around writing books. You know, Trump, God's chaos candidate, and Trump is the Cyrus mm. figure. So, yeah, these people have been at it for the whole four years, and maybe more even. I know. But when I, I first saw that, you know, the, the Trump prophecies, uh, something didn't feel right to me about it. I said, man, this this doesn't seem like it's from God. It doesn't feel like it's from, you know, divine spirit. It doesn't feel like it's from anywhere good. Uh, mm-hmm. I think this is going to get really weird. And it did. Oh, yeah. You know, very and I, quickly. And, and <laughs> Yeah, very, very quickly. And I, and I can't believe there's there's so many people, you know, Christians who are that undiscerning. You know, they, they don't stop and pause and say, how do I feel about this? Does this feel right to me or am i just following the big voices that keep saying oh you know he's king cyrus he's king david he's Mm -hmm. the trump of god you know all of that stuff was so bizarre to me and it felt so wrong you know and i'm not saying i know better than everybody else or i'm a prophet but i i just had that intuition this is bad news Mm -hmm. and man was it you know absolutely but if you if you look at it from the point of view of this dominion theology which we talked about in the last episode their goal is to gain and maintain political power that's what they see as taking dominion certainly over america and they're working on the rest of the world too and in their view the reason why trump is so important i believe in this whole construct is that they believe he is helping them to achieve dominion because he's had all these evangelicals in and around the White House, his whole presidency, they look at it as a it's a win. It's a win-win. So that's what they see it as. They see it as God helping them through Trump. So he's almost like a savior figure. And that's why they say he's a Cyrus, because in the Old Testament, Cyrus was the king of Persia, who God supposedly miraculously appointed to to take the Jews out of captivity and back to their homeland. So they looked at it as we had eight years of captivity under the Obama administration, this liberal administration. Now, here's our savior, Trump. He's going to take us out and lead us into the promised land of dominion over the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, one of the things 
for me that I was going to mention in the uh, the last podcast that that really kind of set started souring me uh, against uh, you know evangelical Christianity was the the out and out dishonesty and lies that these people told mm-hmm. in order to substantiate their religion or make you think you had the truth mm-hmm. and these were pastors these were doctors of the church these were scholars th- these were theologians you know saying all kind of things that they definitively found you know the ruins of sodom and gomorrah and noah's ark and this and that and you know, deliberately, you know, changing up, uh, you know, actual Christian history to fit what they were teaching. I mean, there, there were just so many things. And once I, I found that one little thread and said, hey, wait a minute, I thought this was supposed to be an absolute truth, kind of the, of the bedrock that we're basing our faith on. And I tugged at that string a little bit and I found another lie, another mm. inconsistency another warping of history and warping of the facts. And I say that related to this uh, situation because with Donald Trump and, and all these Christians and evangelicals that are around him, how can we believe what they are saying? For example, you know, look, look at his attitude. Look at the things that he has said. You know, mm-hmm. he's a he's a very, very arrogant, very uh, almost sociopathic individual who just writes off anything that anybody has to say that disagrees with him. Mm-hmm. He makes fun of them. He bashes them. Yeah. He fires bullies. them. Yeah. He bullies. You know, he's even quoted as saying, you know, uh, and I forgot what the source was, but it, it was around. Uh, for a while where he told one person about Christians and he said, I don't believe that anybody could believe that crap, hmm. you know? Oh yeah. So it's not what, that's not the so, word he used. <laughs> he told Michael yeah. Cullen that. Yeah. Yeah. How do these evangelicals yeah. believe this BS? I think is what he actually said. Yes. And, you know, then we have Paula White, his spiritual advisor, saying, oh, you know, she's, you know, known Donald Trump for all these years. And he's always watched her show. And the first time that he talked to her, he quoted like three of her sermons verbatim back to her, you know, and he's such such a godly man. How do we know that's true? Exactly. And I and I don't think it is. and, and And I'm not picking anybody but look at the man's you know look at his character look at his mentality look at the things that he says and he does do you think he's going to have uh you know the capacity to call paula white and speak verbatim like he has you know that um uh, what do they call it? The uh, the, the uh, photographic memory where you can memorize things, mm-hmm. you know, and, and spit out a sermon, you know, th- you know, 30 to 60 minute sermon, three of them in a row verbatim that she, yeah. you know, preached in the past. I don't buy that. Yep. You know, and Kenneth Copeland saying, oh, the man, you know, before he was president, all he ever watched was Christian TV and read the Bible. He never watched anything else. Again, I, I don't believe that, you know. 
it just seems and it feels like an out and out lie. So if these people have pulled the wool over our eyes or tried to pull the wool over our eyes in the past with all of their changing of the facts to meet their needs, what's to say they're not doing it now? Sure. They have no credibility. Well, according no. to Michael Cohen, if you read, I read his book, Disloyal, and he does mention that Paula White does have a long-standing relationship with Donald Trump. I think her and her then-husband had a condo in Trump Tower in New York going back like 16 years ago, and they they did meet and talked a lot. And he, Trump, admires Paula White because he kind of sees that she's a grifter like him. You know, so he's like, man, you've got a great scam going. You know, so that's how Michael Cohen saw it was that Trump admired her and other prosperity gospel preachers because he was like, you guys have come up with the greatest scheme ever to make money. Just selling religion, man, selling prosperity. It's brilliant. You know, so as a businessman, Trump recognizes that kind of con man grifter side of, of their whole, you know, shtick. You know, and uh, and not to mention, you know, if he wants to move in on women like a, you know, like a bitch, <laughs> yeah. his his words not mine. Uh, you it. know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that he tried to move in on her. You know, because you know she wasn't a bad looking woman. You know, yeah. in the day, she's so, had a lot of you know, plastic uh, surgery, but yeah, but exactly yeah, right. And, I mean, those. Though, I was going to say those two names you mentioned, Kenneth Copeland and Paula White Kane. Right now, those are. Pro- the two names that most people are aware of because of a lot of the videos that have gone viral in the last couple of weeks where Paula White was delivering this just bizarre ranting sermon. I think it was just a day or so after the election day, and she was just speaking in tongues and saying all this bizarre stuff about angels being dispatched from Africa and South America to overturn the election results. And, of course, Kenneth Copeland, there was a service just the other day where he just was laughing absolutely maniacally, leading his congregation supposedly to laugh away the fact that Biden has won. And of course, months ago, uh, he supposedly banished COVID, blew it away and told it to be gone. And of course, that hasn't happened. So these these videos have all gone viral over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I've uh, I did a show on the uh, the Paula White uh, you know, yeah. Kata, you know all that bizarre. stuff she was doing. Yeah, yeah. It's, There's uh, all kinds of videos that have been made. You know, setting it to rap music and metal music. And, <laughs> they're just having a field day yeah. with that one. But everything no. she was saying and, and, is is consistent with her theology. That's the whole thing. That's what I did in my show. I broke it down in terms of how it relates to this whole dominion sort of prosperity, health, and wealth gospel thing. You know, she actually believes that Christians have dominion over the angels. And that she can dispatch angels from Africa and South America to somehow overturn the election results. And whatever is decreed in heaven is also going to be, you know, decreed on earth. And that's that's what her whole theological system is all about. And didn't she uh, a number of years back have an affair with Benny Hinn? That's the allegation. Yeah, supposedly they were caught in Italy, I think it was. There's pictures of them coming out of a hotel or a and b somewhere in Italy. You know, they've, they've both hushed it up, but it seems to be pretty clear that something was going on between the two of them that was inappropriate. Both of them were married at the time. Yeah, and, and it was Benny Hinn uh, started uh, going through a divorce very shortly after that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. You know, yep. so I mean, you know, the integrity of these people is very yeah. much in question. Again, not pointing fingers, you know, some people, you know, hear conversation like this and they say, oh, you know, you're, you're pointing fingers, you know, you're, no, no, we're, yeah. we're just name calling. We're just, we're, we're, yeah, we're just, we're just giving facts to say, again, be careful who you follow. These, these people's integrity is very much in question. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, you know, absolutely. I, I agree with what you were saying, you know, that these uh, evangelicals, they, they could 100% disagree with Donald Trump and think he's, you know, dirt under their feet. But I think they see him as an opportunity, you mm-hmm. know, to, you know, start that theocracy, the, the dominion theology, get it rolling. Mm-hmm. And um, again, well, very, very yeah. dangerous place it to is. be. Well, and there's another piece that we haven't talked about yet, and that is Christian nationalism, which is a very big part of this whole story. And that is the belief that many, many evangelicals have that America was founded as a Christian nation. The founding fathers, you know, going back centuries ago, they founded America specifically as a Christian nation and that we need to we've lost our way and we need to get back to that favored status. And so they have this whole theological system that says, well, this is why they're so keen, for example, on having Amy Coney Barrett um, uh, put on the Supreme Court because they want to overturn Roe versus Wade because in their view, abortion is a national sin. America has been judged by God. And some even say that the coronavirus is part of God's judgment on America for allowing abortion and homosexuality and all that, same-sex marriage. And if we could just overturn those things, we could get back to that favored covenant status. And that's why it's so important in this dominion theology sort of language. That's why they have to be in control so they can turn overturn these laws and get America back to becoming a Christian nation again. That's the missing piece that we haven't talked about yet. Yeah, and it's, uh, again, it's very convenient that you know, when something like coronavirus happens to people outside of the sect, it's the judgment of God. Yeah. But when it happens to someone like Donald Trump, John Hagee, who's, you know, yep. uh, Greg you Laurie. Know, a popular yep, Greg Laurie, then then it's the devil attacking them. So it's, it's a spiritual very, battle. Yeah. They yeah, can it's, spin it's, it to whatever they, you know. And And I heard <laughs> Kenneth Copeland the other day, he was going on about Trump's had a miraculous recovery because, of course, God was you know, in his corner, and he's now immune. And so somehow from that, all Christians are now immune from catching COVID. I mean, it's just unbelievable how they can spin these narratives, as you say. But of course, what about other countries that have had coronavirus, you know, run rampant through? They're not Christian nations. Well, that that narrative doesn't work. It only works for America. But every time there's a natural disaster, they say, see, that's God's judgment on America, or 9-11 was God's judgment on for for these sins of abortion and same-sex marriage and pornography and whatever you want to put in there, we got to get back to being a Christian nation again. And, and something else that, that is interesting is that uh, Donald Trump, when he was in the hospital with corona, he uh, received uh, remdesivir for, you know, mm-hmm. part of his treatment. That's true. Which is something, which is something, you know, that, of course, you know, they... Uh, uh, I'm sure they've all had, including John Hagee and, you know, Greg Laurie, 
they're 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 older gentlemen, so I'm sure they gave them you know through everything at it that they could. Mm-hmm. But uh, that that particular medication is made with cells from aborted fetuses. So yeah, how do we how do we weigh that in the balance? <laughs> Conveniently overlooked that, you know. No, I didn't hear any Christian that I could see talking about that as a potential ethical problem for these guys who are like Trump. It was okay for him to have this miracle cure that was, as you say, made from harvested cells from aborted babies. You know, <laughs> it's amazing the cognitive dissonance. It just it works on so many levels. <laughs> It does. It does. And, uh, you know, for the uh, again, for the listener, don't think, uh, you know, uh, it's all. Uh, yeah. You know, kill those babies. I'm, I'm definitely more of a, uh, a, a pro-life person. I don't agree with some of these people, certainly that go out and just sleep around and then use uh, abortion as a means of birth control. I think that's very irresponsible. I think it's terrible. But uh you know, this is the world we live in at the moment, you know, and some, sometimes abortions, sometimes there's uh, medical reasons, you know, that the, that the mother may not survive or, you know, whatever the case may be. But mm-hmm. the, the point being, you know, this medication is, you know, made, you know, partially with cells from aborted fetuses. And if uh, we're giving it to our modern day King David and John Hagee and Greg Laurie and you know, other Republicans uh, who have come down with coronavirus. You know, what, uh, did they get a pardon for that? I mean, (laughs) how does that work? Special forgiveness. (laughs) Well, and there's, I don't know how much we want to get into this, but you're talking about abortion. I had Frank Schaefer on, on my show a couple, about a month ago. And if anyone has never heard of Frank Schaefer, he's the son of a very famous evangelical Francis Schaefer, who back in the 60s and 70s was part of getting the original Christian right off the ground, and they used abortion as their sort of single, you know, single issue topic to make it all happen. And so even that is has been hugely politicized. They they would say now, well, we got to overturn Roe versus Wade to return America back to a Christian nation. But the fact is, guys like Jerry Falwell and others, they knew that abortion would be the main topic to get. Christians and Catholics alike to vote for their candidates like Ronald Reagan. So the whole thing is wrapped up in politics as well. We we've got to, you know, put that piece of it in there too. Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of uh political backroom uh oh, absolutely. manipulation and, and wheeling and dealing with these people. And and I always found it strange, even back in the day when I was eyeball deep in that stuff, how you know, so many of these uh highly favored and sought after evangelical leaders uh you know so close to politicians they they were you know right in there over their heads oh, sure. with, with politics and politicians and i always said well gee that's a little strange you know what are they so uh you mm-hmm. know buddy buddy with those guys for and some of them uh you know didn't have the best reputation either so What's yeah. the what's the the situation with that? But um, look, even Billy Graham, I mean, he was kind of the prototype, the model for that, wasn't he? Going way back to, I believe it was Her- uh, Harry Truman. He was the what was he the pastor to presidents? He was basically the sort of spiritual advisor from 
Truman all the way up to, I don't know, maybe even Obama. Um, you know, so Billy Graham was one of those guys that was right in the White House, president after president, didn't matter if he was Democratic or Republican. So he he was kind of the prototype for blazing the trail for a lot of these guys, like you say, that ended up getting involved in politics and they're in charge or they think they're in charge, you know, right now. That's why they're so upset that Trump has lost their ticket to the White House has just been revoked, basically. Yeah, it's uh, it's bad news uh, for mm-hmm. them, <laughs> you know, if it for doesn't them. go. Uh, but the, the groups aren't going to go away. That's that's the whole point is that Washington, D.C. is loaded with these organizations like the Family Research Council, Capital Ministries, the Council for National Policy. I mean, there's just so many of them the concern women for America on and on and on. They've been around for decades. They're not going to go away when Trump leaves office. These groups are, they're not going anywhere. They're working twice as hard now that a, a Democrat is in office, a pro-life or pro-choice Democrat. My God, they're having a field day already with the fear-mongering. You know, Franklin Graham had a Facebook post a couple weeks ago where he just said, look, if Biden wins, it's all over. He's going to shut down churches and he's going to, you know, close down every th- Christian schools and it's going to be horrible and terrible. And it was like, what? The fear mongering is just unbelievable that they're already. Yeah, and I heard, I heard Donald Trump say once, if Biden gets in, he's going to take away Christmas. <laughs> yeah, he's going to hurt God and he's going to hurt the Bible. <laughs> I love. Meanwhile, that. meanwhile, he's a Catholic. I mean, you know, I come know. on, he's people. He's far more religious. <laughs> of the two candidates, far, obviously Biden was was far more of a religious person as a, a lifelong Catholic. You know, so it's ironic there. But, you know, you have to think, too, you know, with with a lot of these guys and uh, uh, Pat Robertson, he ran for president once upon a time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we've heard, you know, Kenneth Copeland back certain candidates in the past and, you know, even right up to like Mike Huckabee, you know, yeah. that, that they were all behind. And, you know, it's it's kind of scary because they're the first people to say. If a Democrat gets in our rights are going to be taken away. Mm -hmm. But then they're the first people that if they get in power and they have their way, they're going to start taking other people's rights away. Mm -hmm. You know, I've heard these people talk about, you know, passing laws that, you know, certain kind of books would not be be able to be published and sold in America. You know, things that may be uh, talked about Wicca or New Age or, you know, alternative spiritual paths. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, e- even making those practices, you know, in America illegal, you know, so the, the different religions or, or people that, that might be uh, in same sex marriages or gay, you know, actually, uh, uh, you know, mimicking a little bit of uh, uh, Hitler's uh, Nazi Germany, sure. you know, yeah. people rounded up, arrested, persecuted, prosecuted, put to death even. Mm. Well, and I so, think we mentioned, again. yeah, I was going to say we mentioned a little bit in the, the uh, first podcast, I talked about a guy named R.J. Rushduni, who was the father of what's known as Christian Reconstructionism. And this guy was advocating that American civil law should be the Old Testament law. And that's where a lot of that comes from, because when the Christian right was first getting off the ground, they didn't have a real theological and philosophical basis but Rush Dooney had already written all these books. 
And so they were like, oh, this guy's already done it all. He's done all the work already. Now, they didn't accept everything Rush Dooney said. It was, it was too extreme. But a lot of his stuff still has filtered through. So a lot of that stuff that you just mentioned about taking away rights and banning certain religions and things, that all goes back to Rush Dooney. Because, of course, the Old Testament law would say that worship of false gods is an abomination. So a Hindu, a Sikh, a Muslim, you know, a, a Buddhist, an atheist, they're all you know, guilty of worshiping false gods or not believing in God at all. So they need to be banned or put to death. So it's not a far stretch to see where this stuff comes from. Yeah, and it's a, it's a mighty tangled web they would weave if they have their it way. Is. It so, really is. Uh, again, I, I, I keep repeating it, you know, in these past two shows, but uh, be careful who you follow. You know, uh, just because you think you're on the winning team or you want to be on the winning team, uh, you might not be in the end because this mm. uh, this stuff gets weird. It gets ugly. It gets oppressive. And uh, how how are we going to uh, or how are they going to rather justify, uh, you know, all of their profits if, you know, Donald Trump fails in his attempt to stay in office? Well, they're parroting the conspiracy theory line that Trump and his crack legal team, you know, by, headed up by Rudy Giuliani and some of these other people, they're going out and spreading the same exact conspiracy theories, and they're adding the whole spiritual warfare piece to it. You know, it was a, it was a demonic attack. It was some sort of satanic thing that took, you know, took the election by storm, stole the election, apparently thwarted the plans of God, which makes you wonder, you know, how powerful is their God that... He had all these plans to, you know, see Donald Trump get reelected. And then Satan came in and stole the whole thing, you know, through fraudulent votes and, you know, voter software and all this, you know. So that's the line right now that they're going with. They've been saying that there's going to be a miraculous overturned reversal, which hasn't happened as he gets his legal challenges thrown out in state after state after state, you know. So they've got, they're having less and less uh, options really as to what they can say. All they can do is, is talk about these conspiracy theories, and they're just parroting, as I say, the same line that Trump himself is is talking about. Yeah, I heard now that, uh, you know, after a couple of recounts that Biden is still ahead. And yeah. uh, Georgia Trump was meeting. Yeah, that Trump was meeting with, uh, you know, some uh, heads of state, you know, yes, Trump people to see if they will just ignore the will of the people and just give the state to him so yeah that's all they can do you know you know what kind of spiritual warfare and christianity is this you know it is well and and as uh, you were saying i wanted to go back to your point about you know watch who you're following because i think you know sort of garden variety evangelical let's say sitting in that church pew in sort of any town usa good person you know pays their taxes works hard is a good citizen blah 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 they're a nice person, but who are they listening to? Because what we know now is that these big organizations like the Family Research Council or the Council for National Policy, they view churches, they're kind of like the Christians in the pew. They're sort of like foot soldiers, and they need to tell them what to do, go out and you know knock on doors and ring people up and you know get these grassroots campaigns going and hand out voter guides and all that. These people on the on the street level, as it were, they don't necessarily know what these guys at the top, these sort of generals in this army metaphor, what they're actually believing, which is this whole dominion theology piece. 
So you've got to really do your research. That's where books like Catherine Stewart's The Power Worshippers, for example, is a very good resource because she's done this research and she breaks down how they're actually doing it, you know, church by church, state by state. They're they're mobilizing these sort of cells as they see it. They look at churches, they're like cells, and they have to mobilize each of these cells across various states to do their bidding politically. You know, so there's a lot that goes on that most people don't really they're not aware of. Yeah, man, it's it's definitely insane. Hmm. You know, and I wanted I wanted to uh you know, when when you said, you know, how powerful is their God that, you know, you know, he had these plans that this is how it was gonna work out, and the devil comes in and just sweeps it all away. Yeah. And uh, you know, that's that's one of the uh that was one of the things about you know, evangelicalism that, that I found very peculiar, even when I was in it, is that it was always the devil, the devil. He was under every rock. He was around every corner. He would get you if you watch secular movies. He would get you if you <laughs> listen to secular music. He would get you if you read a book that wasn't Christian. He, you yeah. know, there was Anything. a thousand different, yeah, a thousand different ways he could get you. And he was always you know, thwarting the plans of God and there was always spiritual battle. I mean, you know, is, is God that weak or is he just that, uh, that much of playing games? Well, here's what I really want to happen, but you know, I want to see all of you, you know, suffer and fight and bleed and have nervous mm -hmm. breakdowns to get to the finish. It just didn't make sense to me. And here we go again, you know, here's the old tried and true. Well, our prophecies didn't uh, come to pass. Oh, it was the devil. You know, it's yeah, it's always the <laughs> devil. Well, and they're, they're blaming yes. the church, too. I've heard a couple of these prophets say that the reason that Biden was allowed to win was that the church was asleep. You know, that the church wasn't awake enough to get out there and vote and get, get you know, get active in the political sector and get people mobilized. The church was sleeping. And so God just said, well, hey. You know, if you're going to sleep through this election, then I guess you get Biden. He's a punishment, really, uh, for your lack of, of care and concern. So it's, it's your own fault, really. So it's, it's never their fault. You know, Trump was supposed to win, but the church was asleep, you see. So, hey, it's not our fault. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful how they can yeah, spin it. And it's terrible. It, it really is. You know, is. for it's me, abusive. for me, it's it's always made me a little bit angry because there, there are people out there that, you know, are seeking, you know, spiritual truth or as much as they can find in this crazy world we live in. Mm. They're, they're seeking comfort. They're seeking, you know, something that will give their life a little bit of peace and meaning. And then they have to encounter this and how many of them back away because they say, well, if that's being religious, if that's, you know, God, I don't want any part of it because this looks like a madhouse, mm -hmm. you know, and there's a lot, a lot of people that do that, you know, they, they see these evangelicals and it just sours the whole, uh, the whole situation for them. And then of course mm -hmm. there was many evangelicals within that end up, you know, walking away or, you know, having some kind of breakdown because it's just such an oppressive uh, you know, mental, psychological, and even spiritual, uh, you know, uh, oppression, you know, on the mind, you know, it it's, 
it's it's angering to me to to see somebody uh, use God in such a capacity, use religion in such a capacity to do to do such devious, rotten, you know, lying, conniving things, and will not think twice about hurting other people or taking their rights away to mm-hmm. get their way. You know, yeah. it's that and that definitely makes my blood. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, we talked about religious trauma syndrome in the first podcast we did. I remember in high school, I was in a Christian high school in Seattle, and a friend of mine, his mom was dying of cancer, and they were part of a church in Seattle that was like a health and wealth gospel, the same kind of Kenneth Copeland, sort of Paula White theology, where you you know, you know you can pray and God will miraculously heal you if you have enough faith. Well, his mom was racking herself on this on her deathbed, literally, in agony, begging God to heal her and swearing that she had enough faith. And this pastor came along and she died. And my friend said to him, why did she, why did my mom die? You know, she was praying. He said, well, she probably had unconfessed sin in her life or she didn't have enough faith. And he was like, look, man, she was, you know, killing herself mentally to try to make sure she had enough faith and that she didn't have any sins, you know, that she hadn't confessed in her life. And, and she still died. And he was so bitter about that. He was very, he felt very abused by this pastor who just basically threw it back on his mom. Said, well, you know, it's her fault that she died. <laughs> it wasn't God's fault. It certainly wasn't my fault, you know. So that's the same kind yeah. of talk, you know, thinking that you've just described. It is. And I, I heard a lot of that back in the day. Well, you know, the devil got another good one. You know, ah, the <laughs> devil won. Well, they didn't have, a, you know, that's that, that's a terrible thing to say. Yeah, you know, you go through your life thinking, you know, the the devil killed your loved one, you know, yeah. and and God didn't heal them because they didn't have enough faith. Yep, or they had some kind of secret yeah. sin in their life, you know. So she's begging and praying, asking God to forgive her for every sin that she could possibly think of and things that she had forgotten about. You know, what what more do you need to do? So not only did she die in physical pain, she also died in emotional and spiritual agony as well because of this burden that this health and wealth gospel preacher had laid on her, on her deathbed. I mean, how cruel is that? And then the son is also traumatized. Not only has he lost his mom, but he's got this whole spiritual piece that says, what the hell? You know, my mom was a sinner, I guess, and God didn't care enough to heal her. And so now she's dead. So what a, what a piece of of work that guy was, but it's a very common uh, experience, unfortunately. It is. It definitely is. Yeah. Because there's many, 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 many stories. There was the woman who had uh, cancer, and uh, she had quite a bit of money. I forget her name, and she had given to Kenneth Copeland for year after year after year. You know, pretty much gave gave away all that she had, plus her children's inheritance. You know, thinking God was going to heal her if, if Kenneth Copeland would pray over her, <laughs> and uh, she ended up dying. You know, and uh, I, again, I forget her name. You could, you could look this up. The woman, you know, who who died of cancer, and uh, her her kids uh, actually sued Kenneth Copeland Ministries. I don't know how far they got, if they got anything out of it, but you know, she mm-hmm. was another woman that that died saying, "I have faith. I've I've given all my life. You know, I've sowed my seeds of faith. I've tithed. You know, why isn't God healing me?" And she died very. Uh, you know, very sad, very afraid, very confused mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, uh, 
Kenny Copeland didn't come through for in the end, you know? And neither did God. And that's the thing. These people are putting God, if there is a God, if they're putting him in this, they're presuming that he's going to come through for them, that they're making promises that he perhaps has no intention of following through on. Like I say, if there is a God, they've made a business out of this. I mean, Copeland's worth somewhere between, they say, between 300 and $760 million personally. That's how much money he's got just sitting in the bank. You know, so he's made a good living out of this whole thing. Decades of preaching this prosperity gospel. And his fingerprints are all over this Trump prophecy stuff. You know, you look at YouTube, you look look him up. He's got all these people coming on his show talking about all this stuff. So he's right in the middle of all this right now. Yeah, he seems like a very uh, angry, nasty dude right now. The things that I've seen <laughs> yeah. some of those videos. So well, if you don't yeah. vote, you you keep your mouth shut. You know, you don't have <laughs> yeah. a right to complain. You know, it's like yeah. wow, really? Yep, good old Copeland. He's a real piece of work. <laughs> he definitely is. Mm. But uh, anyhow, brother, our our time has come to a close. I want to thank you again for uh, being on the show. These were awesome uh, conversations, and I hope the listening audience. Uh, got something out of this and we'll ponder uh, some of the things we've talked about. Uh, but before we uh, close shop here, uh, tell the folks where they can reach you if they want to listen to your podcasts or anything else you might have available out there for uh, individuals that, that might be kind of suffering through this religious uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome. Mm. Well, as I said, my show is called The Mind Shift Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at MindShift2018, or you can go on Facebook, look up the Mind Shift Podcast Facebook page. So there's a bunch of different ways you can find me on social media. I would say, too, yeah, there's a lot of episodes I did on religious trauma syndrome. I just had one that came out about a month ago with a guy named Andrew Jasko, who I've done a couple of shows with him before. And I've also had episodes with Marlene Winnell and uh, Janice Selby from Canada as well as Laura Anderson. So these are actual therapists who deal specifically with RTS. So if, if there's anyone who's really struggling with religious trauma syndrome, reach out to me and I'll put you in touch with some of these episodes and some of the resources that we have uh, as part of our you know Facebook community sort of thing. And uh, we can help you out. We can get you in touch with the right people that can give you the counseling or support that you need. Yeah, you you got some great shows with some great people on there, man. It's it mm. really definitely is, uh, I think, a voice and a service that the world needs right now to to understand and know, uh, you know, some of this stuff. So yeah, definitely uh, check out the Mindshift podcast if you're uh, you know wanting to know more or uh, going through a tough time, you know, because of uh, religious oppression uh, in your own life. Uh, definitely some very educational and uplifting stuff. Hey, you know, Jesus himself said the truth will set you free. So mm. knowing the truth about this movement, these people, their agenda, where it all comes from, it's it's definitely freeing. And I wish I knew a lot of this or had a show like uh, Mind Shift Podcast to listen to when I was waking up at the cold sweats uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. Same 21 here. years ago. I had to That's dope it out doing myself, it, you know. That's it. I mean, I see part of my own journey is helping other people to unpack this stuff. So as a teacher, that's how I I approach it, sort of as an academic standpoint, 
that I want to have experts and people on who know what they're talking about. So that's what I do. A lot of research. I do a lot of writing. So that's kind of my approach is to to be an educator and help people work their their way through this stuff. That's that's definitely awesome. But anyway, Clint, see, I got it right. Hey, you got it right. <laughs> I've been called worse. Somehow, somehow through this uh, brain fog of fatigue, I've, I held it there together. But, uh, but anyway, I appreciate you being on the show, man. This, this is really awesome. And, uh, you know, I think this will be a very uh, helpful conversation for a lot of folks to listen to. Well, thank you, Paul. I've absolutely enjoyed talking to you and getting to know you a little bit. So we'll do this again for sure. Absolutely, brother. And for all of you out there, again, we hope you got something out of the show and it gives you some uh, material to research and think about. And uh, stay safe, stay well, and I'll see you next time here on the Mind's Eye Podcast.